Hello, Playlist Podcast Network listeners. The interview you are about to hear was conducted prior to the SAG strike and held until this time upon request. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Bingeworthy, a podcast dedicated to telling you which of these many dozens of streaming shows that are being thrown at you each week and month are worth your time and attention. Hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo, and today I get to talk to you about FX's excellent new revival series, Justified City Primeval. The show premiered last week and is rolling out new episodes weekly. It follows the beloved Raylan Givens, played by Timothy Oliphant once again, as he gets pulled into a case in Detroit after a chance encounter along a Florida highway with his daughter. Uh, the series also stars Boyd Holbrook, Anjanou Ellis Taylor, Adelaide Clemens, Vondi Curtis Hall, and more. Joining me to discuss the series is the uber charismatic star of the show, Timothy Oliphant. If you don't know Mr. Oliphant, you may have seen him pop up on your screens a time or two uh, in Deadwood or The Mandalorian slash Book of Boba Fett, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Live Free or Die Hard, some personal favorites of mine, Scream 2, he was the killer in Scream 2, awesome, The Girl Next Door, he is amazing in. Uh, but before we get to my chat with Timothy Oliphant, I've got to tell you that Bingeworthy is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network which includes the Playlist Podcast, The Discourse, Templo Talk, Amayans Podcast, Deep Focus, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite shows. Follow, like, subscribe, drop us a rating on any of those as we greatly appreciate it, or just head on over to theplaylist.net for film and TV news and reviews and interviews and more. I've also been asked a bunch of times in episodes what I'm wearing because my t-shirts or hats keep getting referenced. For example, in the most recent Akiva Goldsman episode, I wore not only a Batman Forever shirt, but also a hat as well, which we talked about. In this one with Mr. Oliphant being in one of my favorite horror sequels of all time, I wore a Scream 2 shirt, and yes, we do talk about that as well. Listen for that towards the end. It just kind of pops up when I stand up and show my shirt. Um, as a reminder to our listeners, Justified City Primeval is currently airing on FX or streaming each week on Hulu. Okay, here's my chat with the delightfully charming and enormously talented Timothy Oliphant. Tim, how the heck are you, man? So far, so good. How are you, Mike? I'm doing very well. It is great to speak with you today. Congrats on another freaking great season of Justified, dude. I appreciate you saying that. The big question you're probably getting over and over again is, you know, after six successful seasons and how many years away, what drew you back? So I guess I got to start there. Well, the smart-ass answer is the money was good. <laughs> Let me tell you something. My, my dog has come into the room, and it, if at one point it sounds like I fell asleep on you, just know mine is not, snoring about two feet that way so you're it, good it, it, it's it's listen to that should i remove them i can i can remove them it's all good i'm fine with it you like yeah. it it's like we got a truffle pig in here yeah uh, we got both like my dog and your dog will be a symphony of snores yeah good the sin, the sincere answer and i try to uh, stay away from sincerity is you know i love this job i loved it when we were doing it and i even said then just somewhat contradict myself as I was saying, I don't want to do the show anymore. I said, but give us a couple of years. I'd, I'd love to do the show. <laughs> I knew, I felt like if we gave ourselves a little break, that it would open up creative possibilities that we couldn't imagine when we were doing the series, you know, where 
danger as successful the show was and as fun as it was, you know, the concern is that you'll feel like you're just kind of going through the motions um, because, you know, you feel shackled. Yeah. And um, taking a break, I think, gave us an opportunity to kind of um, look at it in a fresh way. Yeah. And that, that, and like, I don't know if fans would have been as open to embrace like all the changes. Like, this is a fish out of water story for Raylan. Like, it's, it's new cast of characters. You know, you're introducing a ton of new people. Boyd Holbrook, Anjanu Taylor, they're so awesome in this. How is it to just kind of welcome them in and also kind of make sure it still felt like justified? Well, that was the challenge, you know, and that's what made it, quite frankly, made it a ton of fun. Um, yeah. As much as I miss the people that, you know, didn't come back on this journey, creatively, the bringing in new characters was really refreshing. And I would forgive me for speaking for him, but I felt like it helped Andron, Dave Andron and Michael Dinner, who were taking over the reins, because it freed them up to not have to sort of, to make it their own. Mm which they did. And I yeah. just, it was just a fun game. Like how far, how much can we get away from the show and, and still make it feel like it's the show. It was fun to do. Uh, having seen it. It's fun to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a testament to Elmore and a testament to uh, those writers. Did it feel different without Graham Yost? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was missed. I mean, actually, you know, he, he was around, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's part of the gang. It's a tight group. But everybody else was, it was the old gang. You know, those guys were all, even when, when Graham was running the show, you know, they were the, uh, the boots on the ground. And, you know, we had this sort of system where every episode there was one of the writers would be on the set. Mm -hmm. Sometimes one of the writers would be on the set that was shooting and then there'd be a writer on the set for the next episode that was coming because it would afford me the opportunity to have a dialogue with them while, while working. Yeah. So we all had a shorthand that, you know, that, you know, we had all gotten our hands dirty the first time around. So it, it was pretty smooth. I mean, really just kind of picked up like it was yesterday. Yeah. I also just love, like I said, Boyd's performance in this. He looks like he's having the most fun, you know, while he's doing that. When you're acting opposite him, are you going, son of a bitch, I want to do that? Or, or are you just like enjoying the show at that point? I, I, I will admit I was guilty early on of thinking, oh, he's playing this really cool. But, <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, I don't think there's room for two people to be really cool a whole season. This guy's got to change. Uh, but, you know, it was, I fucking, I love that guy. I just, mm -hmm. I loved hanging with him. I loved working with him. I thought, I mean, I, I felt this with everybody in the cast. It was just a real sweet chemistry. It had its own personality and yet it felt like it was of a piece. Yeah. It definitely does feel like justified, even though it's in, you know, Detroit and you've had the good fortune of, you know, returning to characters that you've, you know, with Deadwood, the movie and now justified this one ends particularly in a way where you're like, hey, this could be the end. If fans want more, we could do more. Was this always in your mind like, hey, one off, get some closure, or let's do more until people don't want more? No, I, I always thought, and I, I said it years ago, as I recall, I was like, you know, I don't know if you've seen those Bond flicks. but <laughs> They keep doing them. They keep doing them. And you know what they, what they get away with? 
that if we kept taking little breaks and, and doing them again, you can constantly reinvent just subtly every time. You can, you can put the character in the world today. And, and then you can look back and say, God, the world's changed. Uh, this time around, let's be mindful of those changes and, uh, and see if the audience will still come along with us. Yeah. When I, when I spoke with Dave Andron a couple of years ago for a different show he was doing, he was, he was talking about that, how he wanted to introduce kind of like modern issues into, into the world. And you guys. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's part of what we do. Right. I yep. mean, that's, that's sort of the, you know, the description of the job that we're trying to reflect the world we're living in and uh, entertain people along the way. And so to not do it would, would just be a wasted opportunity. P.S. The characters, if if he still exists in that, imagine he's dealing with the same things. He's reading the same papers that we're reading, and he's trying to adjust. Uh, so you know, off we went. Yeah, I also caught full circle the the Soderbergh miniseries that you're about to do or about to get launched into. I guess it comes out of a couple of weeks from now. Claire Danes, Dennis Quaid, Zazie Beetz, all the like amazing performances in there. I'm always fascinated just because Soderbergh is Soderbergh. What was your experience there? Was he doing anything crazy with like his iPhones or whatever he does? Uh, listen, I don't know if he, I, I describe it as crazy. And we seem to have <laughs> shot on, on uh, what looked like regular cameras. That tricky but, I mean, man. He, the way he does it, I've never seen anyone do it like that. It's yeah. a, a man's a genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I've said, and I said many times after coming home at, really lovely hour and have dinner with my wife because of how quick he moves and how efficient he is. I would say to my wife, I don't know why everyone else doesn't do it this way, but I know the reason why, because that guy is a genius (laughs) and he's shot more hours of footage than anyone on the planet. Uh, So he has a shorthand. He has an instinct. I've never seen anything like it. And then he's just broken the rules. He's just, he's asked questions that everyone else is taken for granted. Yeah, somewhere along the line, he asked, do we really need lights? You know, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere along the line, he's like, you know, do we really need a master? Do we have to do, do we have to do a turnaround? Why can't we just shoot it? Um, mm-hmm. Do we really need coverage? I mean, those eliminating those practical, what you thought were essential requirements to the job changes the job dramatically yeah so you show up on set at eight in the morning to rehearse a three and a half page scene where people are in tears and you've been working on it for weeks if not months and you've wrapped the scene by eight fifteen. i mean it's the most alarming thing it's more akin to an athletic event that you've been training for um than it is uh show business yeah and speaking of athletic events, you got to work with Gareth Evans too, with Havoc. And I freaking love the raid, man. So this is like Tom Hardy, you, Gareth Evans. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? What can you tease about that? Because I'm, I'm dying to see it. I can just tell you, Gareth is a guy who does it in a way that I have not seen. I was like, I don't know if I can do all this, all this action stuff. And then you see the way he does it and you're like, oh, I guess I, I can do this no sweat. <laughs> really? It just looks so brutal. Well, he, he shoots in a way that, you know, a method that, um, cause he grew up in, you know, he started in, um, laser or something, forgive me. I can't remember, but he grew up, you know, he started filmmaking in like doing kind of like the honk, you know, like, a, like in Hong Kong kind of 
the style. He also doesn't shoot. I, I, I was talking to Soderbergh about this. He doesn't shoot a master either. There's no big yeah. like, okay, we're going to widen out and shoot this three minute, this big fight scene. And, you know, the conventional way, we're going to shoot it with the, the stunt guys. And then we're going to put the actors in there and see what we can get. And then we'll slowly go in for coverage and make sure we get that punch or that. He pre-shoots everything with stuntmen and, and fake, you know, with toy guns and cardboard. And when I say he shoots it, he shoots it shot for shot, a 10, 15 minute action sequence. And he's got a couple hundred shots that he's, he's edited it and he's numbered all those shots. So when you show up on the, on that day, you're shooting fight breaks out in the nightclub and you're shooting shots 132, 138, 139, 170, and 210. <laughs> and those shots might be less than this, you know, three seconds. Wow. And he's slowly erasing the stuntman out of the shot. So as far as I'm concerned, I don't have to do a, I don't have to do a, you know, a 30 second, you know, complicated, I, I can learn it all, but then it's so, we just do it in these tiny little pieces. It's really intense. Yeah. It's amazing. He, you know, he's, he cuts in the middle. He can cut from a stuntman to an actor without changing the shot. I mean, he just does it on the move. It's really cool what he's doing. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one for sure. But yeah. you have a wealth of projects that I want to talk about. So sorry for jumping around. Cobb Vanth no. is still technically alive in the Star Wars universe. That's what I keep thinking. I know. You haven't had any talks with Dave Filoni or anything about that crossover film he's got coming up? If I if I had, I wouldn't tell you. Okay. Well, let's just say for you personally, what would you like to see that character do just for you? Have his own franchise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I honestly, uh, I can tell you, you know, I've been very, very lucky with those guys. I mean, I've, both times, I've only done two episodes. And... Um, to be only have only done two episodes and feel like, you know, you're part of a world and that um, they created such a memorable character. I mean, you know, I'm getting away with something here. Um, <laughs> you know, I did two episodes and I got like four toys out there. I mean, it's ridiculous. You yeah, know, you're the new bubble. Because all of a sudden there's people at the airport with toys. Uh, you know, that's new. But uh, I mean, I, I it was a ball working on those things. And those guys know if they called me, I'd show up. Um, of course, I don't care if it was, you know, to do a big giant thing or just to show up for an afternoon. It was it's a fun gig. Yeah. Speaking of high profile projects, the New Yorker was was talking about Iron Man recently and your name came up as like you, you were like this close. You were the second choice to, to RDJ. How was that experience for you of just like going for that? Did you care? Like, were you like in it or did you were you just like, I don't know if this is for me or not? I can only tell you that I remember thinking that was the first time where, because I'm a bit of a slow learner and I was, I think I was scared to death of uh, the things that come with success in this business. But that was the first time where I was like, well, I can't get any more grounded. Uh, and so, you know, this would be fun. This would be fun. I think prior to that, I was like, I don't know, I don't want those kind of problems. Um, For sure. And I think part of that appeal was, um, you know, the conversations I had then with um, Favreau, uh, I just have a tremendous amount of respect for him and really just like the guy. He's just a good dude. And so if you're going to go down that road, uh, 
you're not going to find anyone better to go down it with. So um, I have fond memories of that experience. You know, I try to see things for simply what they are and not what they could be. And any conversations I had with John about that job or any, any of that, that process, uh, I remember it very fondly. It was, a, yeah. it was an enjoyable process. Yeah, have you talked with them since about maybe popping up as something else or not really? Well, he hired me for, uh, he, you know, he's the one who hired me for this. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, he doesn't owe me anything. Can't get too greedy, I suppose. Well, I will say, fact that he wearing the, the later and I wait, wait, I'm mean, what I miss. Oh, yep. Yep. I, somehow they don't put you on the poster for Scream 2. Like, well, nor should they have. I was, <laughs> I was wet behind the ears and I was just lucky to be there, buddy. Yeah, but that's one of those, like, that's a big role. I'm a massive Scream fan as well. So I just have to ask before they, they give me the hook, how do you remember that set? I know I've heard things were like crazy with fake scripts and changes and all kinds of stuff. So I just. Oh, I do remember. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I was a little overwhelmed by the experience. I, I, I had barely worked prior to that movie and very grateful for them giving me that opportunity. I remember auditioning for the part and then I was told, oh, there's a little more to that part. I needed to come back and do this other part. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm the killer. Okay. And then I got the gig and I knew I was the killer. And I, I mean, I don't know shit about show business still. So I showed up to the table read and I remember just marveling at all these people I, did, I knew and had seen their work. And, was, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store kind of taking in all this incredible talent. And, and uh, as I remember it, Sarah Michelle Geller came up to me and said, who do you think the killer is? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and in my back of my mind, I was like, oh my God, she, she doesn't. And that's, I, yeah, I, we did the read through and, um, and we got to that part in the script and it just says more to come later. And we didn't finish the ending. And that, no, I don't remember anyone telling me like, hey, nobody else knows and you need to pretend you don't know. I just remember kind of stumbling across it. Um, But yeah, they they were taking that that secret very seriously. Yeah. You know, as a total smart ass at the time, I remember the movie came out at the same time Titanic came out. And I was like, well, everybody knew the ending to that and it still did well. But uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? There's a, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, but I get it. Uh, look, I, I have very fond memories of that, of that job. And at the same time, I just feel lucky to have gotten through it unscathed and still working because I didn't know what I was doing. I'm, <laughs> sure, I, I'm sure I, I'm sure I made a shitload of dumb decisions while making it, uh, but I'm still here. So that's still one of the best horror sequels for me. So I'm thankful for it. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of it. Yeah, All right. Well, they're going to give me the hook. I'm going to thank you for your time. For those listenings, Justified City Primeval premieres on FX and streams on Hulu July 18th. Timothy is unsurprisingly amazing in it. So, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Right, that's about really kind of you to say. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Take Bye, it everybody. Easy.